but I just wanted to read this scripture. You know, we talked about it and we read it, but I wanted to read it out of uh, the Message Bible, Matthew six thirty. As we talk today about drawing power, it's not just about him being the source, but it's about drawing on that power. And you may have a house, you know, you may have a house like 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 I do, and and uh, how many of you like you've got a few of those uh, you've got a few of those electrical sockets that are really close. Like if you plug in the wrong two things, the blender and the hairdryer at the same time, it blows the circuit because you're pulling too much power. Okay? With God, you can't pull too much power. He has more than enough. He's always about more than enough. And it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, and it's the Message Bible that I'm reading from, and it says if, God, if you give God such attention, see, God, God, if you give God this kind of attention, you, you'll understand and know. It goes on and it says, if you give God such attention to, if God gives attention, sorry, to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. And many times when we know he's the source, we can get preoccupied with the receiving end of things and not the giving end. It says seed time and harvest. It's not harvest first then seed time. So there always has to be a seed that's planted. There always has to be something, that, like I said from out of John, that dies, the seed that goes into the ground to bring forth the harvest. But it goes on and it says, people who don't know God and the way that he works, they fuss over all of these things, all of the details and all the scenarios and all the ways things can happen. But you know both God and how he works. So you need to steep your life in God reality, in God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find your, all of your everyday human needs met. All of your concerns will be taken care of. Now, how does this work? It's in this seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking his word, seeking his will, seeking his wisdom. Over the last bunch of months, if there's one thing that I've learned and one thing that I've continued to teach and preach from the pulpit is that his wisdom is is paramount in our lives. We may think that we're the smartest thing going. We may think that we've been down this road before. You may think that, you know what, I knew somebody who did it this way and it worked, but I am telling you what, his, his message sometimes is new. The direction that he takes you sometimes is new. Sometimes he asks you to do something differently than he did the last time. Moses smacked the rock one time, was asked to talk to the rock the next. He smacked it both times and both times brought water, but one time got him in deep trouble. Why? Because God asked him to talk and not smack. But see, the smack still worked. But boy, he got in trouble with God because he wasn't obedient to God. He wasn't, he, he, he wasn't like a horrible guy. Moses was a good guy. But he smacked the rock instead of speaking to it. So be careful. Because his wisdom comes to us through the word of God, and this does not change. But his wisdom also comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to be open that when he speaks to us something. Now that's where people say, you know what? I've read the Bible and it says nothing about my situation. I can't find the words. What do I do when my lease is about to expire? I can't find the words that says, what do I do when the doctor says this? I can't find the words that say like, what do I do when my children act up and they, they, and, and they, they won't go to school? That's not in here anywhere. Now, you can go and find scriptures that relate to many of those things, but you can also ask God. It says so in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, right past the do not worry part, this is why you don't have to worry, because he says you can ask, seek, and knock in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And when you come to God with these things and say, I, you can go to him and say, I don't know what to do about my boss. It's okay. That's plugging in. Because who's the source of all wisdom? He is. 
How do you get that wisdom? You ask. I knew all the answers when I was a teacher. I sat in the room and knew how to do every single problem in the book. And people would sit there and not know how to do it. And they wouldn't ask. And when their parents would come and they would say, you know what, they're not doing very well. And I said, you know what, they don't ever ask. And they say, well, why don't you tell them? Because they didn't ask. They're not in third grade anymore. They have to learn to ask. That's part of growing up as a human being in classrooms. And that's part of growing up spiritually in our lives as well. That, that somebody can't do that for you spiritually in your life. It says here that you don't have to worry in Matthew chapter 6, but in Matthew chapter 7 it says the reason is because if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, I will answer you. It says in James, if you jump over there and go to James 1.5, it says if any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask. If you don't know, this is in the Message Bible in James chapter 1, it says if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help, and you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. That's what a lot of kids say. Well, I don't want to ask for help because the teacher talks to me like I'm stupid. No, that's just the way you hear it. We all love you, and we just want nothing but the best for you. And the frustration isn't with you. It's with the other 700 people that asked me that question. This Never mind. That's a teacher. I'm not a teacher anymore, so I don't have to worry about that. It says, ask boldly. It says, ask boldly believingly, believingly, like you believe that when you're asking, he's going to tell you the answer. Without a second thought, people who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think that you're going to get anything from the master that way, adrift at sea, keeping all of your options open. Proverbs chapter 4, Sandy, that's New King James, Proverbs chapter 4, 5, and 7. This tells you how important it is, and we've talked out of Proverbs chapter 4 a little bit as we've gone, but it says, get wisdom with a big exclamation point. Get understanding with a big exclamation point. Why? Because when you have understanding, when you have wisdom, you are plugged into him, and he tells you what that is, and that's the thing that he acts on. See, I have found in my life that he does not act on my will. He does not act on my idea. He does not act on what I think. He acts on his will. He acts on his idea. He acts and moves and makes way for his word to flow, not mine. Yet we can be obstinate and we can hold back and we can pretend like this is the best way and I'm going to work 50 times harder to sh- this is the best way. And God just says, I never asked you to work 50 times harder. I just asked you to ask, to seek. And then when I give you that, when I give you that wisdom liberally, don't be double-minded, don't go a different direction, but follow after me because that's where the power is. That j- when you plug into him like that, you've got, a, you've got an unlimited line of electrical cord. You can go as far as you want as long as you're still plugged into him. But as soon as you get unplugged, the cord disappears and you're all alone. So he says, don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's all good. And you've probably said that to people. Don't worry. It's all good. I got it. Whoa. (laughs) That's not what it says. It doesn't say that. God says, don't worry. I got it. That's God says that. Not us saying that. Right? I mean, God says, don't worry. I got it. Many times we, we should be saying, don't worry, he's got it. See, he's got the whole world where? In his hands. Not your hands, in his hands. 
But it says you have to have a leg to stand on. It says you have to know where you're going. It says you have to have a direction. It says in the word of God that if you're going to harvest, then you must know how to sow. You must know all of these things. We have questions. We, we got to know. We got to know. We need answers. And so we look to the word. It's our wisdom. But we also look, like I said, to the Holy Spirit. In, in John chapter 16, it says the Holy Spirit will tell you things to come. That's wisdom. And Habakkuk says to write the vision, and we go through some of these same scriptures over and over and over again. But the reason is I need to remember over and over and over again. It says, write the vision so that he may read it. He who reads it may run with it. And this doesn't stop because you've been around a while. You don't learn the whole Bible. I don't care if you can stand up and recite from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. That doesn't mean you know it all. You continually go back to the Word. You continually go back to that CD. You continually go back to that teaching. Many times you continually go back to that book that God used to change your life. Why? To reinforce the truth, to continue to stay plugged into what God said. That's why you write the vision so that when you're unplugged somewhere and you're not sure what to do, you can open up that book and you get plugged in again. Now, Bill, you've been saved for how long? 40 years. Oh. He was saved at two. So that's all. You've been saved. Now, Bill's been saved for 40 years. Now, you've, uh, you're a VBI graduate. You've been in this church for a long time since it started. How many times have you been to uh, Kenneth Copeland's meetings and all of those things? Eight or nine. Are you done? I mean, are you done reading the Bible now? Is it over? No. Why? <laughs> There's good stuff to find in there. There, there. I'm telling you, he's been saved for 40 years. If anybody has an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to take a week off. Don't you think? I mean, some of us haven't been saved 40 years. We're still trying to figure it out. We're trying to catch up to Bill. He hadn't just been saved 40 years. He's been to camp meetings. He's been to all those things. He's a VBI graduate. He's come to church when nobody else wanted to come in his house. I mean, Sue's always with you, but you know. I mean, he's done all of those things. He has endured, right? He has, he has put it, he has gone out there, yet he still wakes up and he still reads the Bible. He still wakes up and he still prays. He still wakes up and he still worships God. He still wakes up and he still asks for his wisdom all the time. And there are days where I talk to Bill and he goes, you know what? I just saw this. See, have you ever heard Kenneth Copeland? Have you ever watched his TV show? Sometimes he takes like a whole week to explain something he just learned. And I'm thinking, dude, you are like, you know, you, you are like the Word of Faith guy. You know, I mean, Kenneth Hagin got it, and you got it from him, and, you know, everybody else has kind of been disseminated from that. And, like, you're going to tell me you just learned something. Bill Winston came to Word Explosion last year, and he said something like that. He said, this, this message is going to be a little over your head. And I thought, bring it on, brother. I know some stuff. I still can't figure it out. I've listened to it like all the time. He said, now you're going to have to go home and listen to this about three, four, five, ten times. And he said, because I'm going to, but if you don't preach above the head, you never grow. That's what he said. You know, if you don't teach above where you are, there's nothing to aspire to. There's nothing to grow to. And that's the problem when we plug in many times, when we do sit there and say, okay, God, I am not going to worry. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to ask you because it says in Matthew 7, I can ask. It says in James, James 1 that I can have wisdom. So I'm going to ask you the wisdom that he gives you, the things that he tells you, the door that he opens are always beyond you. Why? Because then it takes faith. 
And, and, and I have not had him lead me and grow me into a place that took less faith. It always took more faith. And so now, you know, I don't want to talk about tapping in and drawing power. He is the source. But to draw that, draw that power out of the source, we've got to grow in faith. You have to grow in faith. I have to grow in faith. That's what a lot of this deal is. We're planting seed in the Sudan. We're planting seed in the lives of the people of this community. We're doing all of those things. It's seed. We're going to reap a harvest, but we have grown in faith. Not just the people who are the leadership of this church, but I'm telling you, each and every person that comes here and makes up this church, we are growing in faith. We're walking forward with him. And going forward sometimes is a fight. Going forward sometimes takes a little bit. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Remember back when you believed for the very first thing in your life. Remember all the way back when God said this and you said, oh my gosh, that's impossible. That can't happen. And he said, yes, it can. And you argued with him, but then you finally said, okay, I believe. And then God came through. And now today, don't we say like, I wish I could go back there. Because see, I can believe for all that. You grow in your faith as you continue to stay tapped in, as you continue to draw in on that power source. You grow in faith. You remain fully assured. You don't get knocked off your pedestal. It says he's given us his victory, but it also says that not only has he given you your victory, right, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57 and 8 in there, it says that he's given you his victory. Christ won it. But he said then we need to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. Cursed four-letter word, labor. It's not really four, it's like five, but you know, it's to us sometimes that means work, right? To women, it means something else. Suck it up. It's just a baby. Anyway, <laughs> spoken from somebody that never had a baby, but I've seen it. It doesn't look that bad. Maybe, maybe a little, but it says be steadfast, immovable, always abounding the word of the Lord. See, there, there's a whole portion to this. This tapping in and drawing of the power is more than just knowing he's the source. It's literally work to bring it in. You plug into him, he will give it to you. And then you manifesting, seeing that thing manifest in the world, that's us standing and fighting by faith. Because if God said it, we say at the beginning of almost every service, the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. But man, it, 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 it takes some gumption to live the word. It takes some faith. I mean, you gotta, you gotta want it. You gotta fight. And don't fall down. Don't get tired and quit. Get up. Get up. Keep moving. You have to keep going that direction. We have to remain steadfast. Abraham did not receive Isaac because he wavered back and forth between two opinions. The wavering of the opinions was the deal in 1 Kings that we talked about on Sunday that had to do with the rain. Abraham did not waver. It says so. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. It says right before that in, in verse 17, uh, 18 or 19, it says he did not even consider his own body. Now listen, he didn't have a funny mirror in his tent. It says, in not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. He did not go as a hundred-year-old man and look in his tent and see a picture of some hunky dude that was 25 years old. See, he, he looked in the mirror and he saw this hundred-year-old guy. See, he, but God saw what? See, what he, and he looked in that mirror and he saw himself. It said he did not consider his own. He knew what he was. 
Every day you wake up over 40, you do what you, oh, you know what you are, right? I'm just kidding. I'm young. But he knew. He didn't consider that. He said, you know what? Even besides this, I know God can do what he said. It did not, but he didn't waver. For all of those years, he didn't waver. That's one of the things that I continue to commend Pastor Bill about and one of the things that I continue to, to, to just be amazed by, that he continues to speak the thing that God said, regardless of whether he sees it, regardless of whether he's seen it, or regardless if he ever will see it, he continues to speak it. He doesn't waver. And in our lives, in my life, I'm trying to emulate that by faith, to continue to speak what God said. Not just his word, see? Not just his word. That wisdom that he gives you, it may be a scripture. But how many times as you asked for wisdom, he told you to do something that you couldn't find in here? See, he spoke to you to give something that you couldn't find an example in here. Now, it lines up with the word. It feels like the word. The sense of your spirit is that it's his word. But it's not written down in these pages. It's something he's speaking to you. When he says to get up and to speak to that person and you say something, that wasn't necessarily in here. But you knew by the Spirit that's what he told you. That's tapping in. That's stepping out by faith. You're not wavering. But then what you do is you put yourself in a position where God has to fulfill his word. When you move in that direction, it's him who has to fulfill it. You're just tapped in. You're just, the, you're just the vessel at the end. So when you tap into what he has, when you begin to draw on his power, you ask him for wisdom, you ask him for knowledge, whatever that thing is, you're not worried about today, you're not worried about tomorrow, you're seeking after him. He's pouring these things into your life. By faith, we're not wavering. It's been a week, don't waver. It's been a month, don't waver. It's been five years, don't waver. Can I tell you a story about the kitchen? You sure? I was talking to Jeremy, and you know, he and his wife, and, they, and they're from Canada, and been doing a lot of things, and changed, pr- changed professions, and went from, from doing something, to building cars, and doing some things, and I'm talking fast now, because I'm running out of time, and it's a new story, but uh, you know, then uh, he's working uh, in the, in the, re- in the re- realtor industry up there, in, in the commercial uh, side of things, and selling, and homes, and different things, and, and he's doing all those things, and God blessed him, and he has a step of faith, because he had to pass a lot of tests, and do a lot of things, and how many know, you know, that's not, that's not like fun, I just want a job. I don't want to have to pass a test to have the job. I just want to have the job. So, but he did. He was faithful, and he did some things. But, but in his life, God was speaking to him, and God was showing him things. And, and, and tithing, you know, he said, he said to me the other night, you know, he said, we've, I've, I've always been a giver. We've always been, been givers, but not necessarily tithers. And I didn't understand, really, uh, the, the idea. I didn't understand that, the, the, the principle and the, and the fact that it's like, I mean, it, it's important you know, how many times, you know, you're a giver, but it's not necessarily what the principle is. It's just, yeah, I'm, I, I always want to give. My heart is to give. But, but when, when you don't tithe, when you don't set that aside, when you don't do that, what we're saying is, God, I think my way is better than your way. Well, I would never say that. But through your actions, that's kind of what's happening. And, and he had some work done on his house and, and, and his kitchen. And it, it, was, it was a good sum of money that he owed the guy who did the work. It was like 2500 bucks, And I mean, it was a lot of money. And uh, he said to the guy, you know, I, 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 I'll pay you. But he had to come to some places through this year where it's been difficult and it's been rough and it's been tough. And they've had to decide that, you know what, they're going to continue to do what God told them to do and continue to stand on the word and continue to pray, continue to stretch out, continue to do the way, give the way God told them to give, continue to do all those things. And even if we don't have anything. It was kind of the gist of the story. Is that, is that close? I mean, even if it comes down, I mean, it was getting, it gets, how many of you know it gets tight? It gets tight. I'm not telling you that you start tithing and all of a sudden you're just going to be swimming in it. Anybody swimming in it? Let me know. We got some things we're doing around here. We need, <laughs> I need to meet you. But anyway, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 but, but it doesn't dry up. See, the widow and the, and the cake, and she gave, it to the, she gave it to the prophet, and then it didn't dry up. 
See, but if you continue to do that, then it won't dry up. And where's it come from? I don't know. Don't worry about it, it says. Seek him. And so remain plugged in in the area of your finances. And as they did that, he'd, he'd, he'd saved up enough money. They'd got enough to pay this guy. And so he went to him and told this guy, like, here you go, man. I, you know, I, I really thank you for giving us the opportunity in the, in the, in the length and time. And, and here's the money. And, and really thank you for what you did. And, and you were gracious to let us do this. And the guy went, oh, did I, did I not tell you? I don't want that. He said, I thought I told you. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want that money. I just conceded into you or whatever he said, you know. But it was just, I, I, I don't want that. See, God, see, well, you wouldn't have thought that. You wouldn't have thought that. That's a bill. That's a, that's a debt that you owe. So you wouldn't think, but what does it say in the Word of God that His blood canceled all of our debts? Now, don't call up Visa and tell them that, but, you know, I mean, pray. <laughs> Just write that on your bill. You know, put a little blood on there and say, by the blood of Christ, this is paid. You know, lick it and send it off. I, don't, I can't say that's going to work or nothing. <laughs> but here's the deal. When you plug in... You allow him to do what? The work. But that doesn't mean there wasn't work for them. That doesn't mean it wasn't faith for them. It wasn't like they were walking around just tipped. Man, they're like thinking like, okay, we got we to make sure that we can make it through tomorrow. God, give us enough to make it. You know, I mean, it, when things get tight, that's where faith has to come through. When things get tight, that's when you begin to see what does that person really believe? I know God's the source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know God's the source. See, if I polled us, you know, we would all say, yeah, who's the source? Well, God. Who owns everything? Well, God does. Where do you get your stuff? Well, from God. Okay. Now, how do we get it? You know, is it coming? Is it going? Is it what, what's the deal? How are you doing in that area? Are you plugged in? Are you growing in faith? Are you enduring like a good soldier? Are you fully assured like Abraham was, not wavering? That's how, that's how you begin to receive these things. Because why? You know it's his will. It says in his word that if you bring the tithe, in, it says in Malachi, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, he will pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. $2,500 where you didn't know it was coming and you wouldn't have expected it nor would you have designed it that way. Why? Because we want to pay it. Because we owe. And you want to pay your bills. You know, I mean, that's important. But that was the heart. But how many of you know the devourer can't steal from you? It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Because it says right before that, if you're not doing it, you're robbing him. Not me. You're not robbing the church. You're not robbing your neighbor. You're robbing God. It says, now, you need to bring your tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, it says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain that there will, be, there will not even be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit. Harvest. Harvest, we're not talking about a fig tree that sat there with nothing on it. See, there was a fig tree, Jesus came, and it, was, it didn't have any figs on it. Your tree will have figs. If you like those, they're disgusting. It's the biggest lie of a cookie I've ever saw. Besides those crazy things that Allie eats. What are those things? Those candy things you tell the kids in their snow tires. Druppies? Double salt licorice. They taste like vomit. <laughs> Here, kids, have your candy. And they all eat it up and smile, black teeth and all. It's just disgusting. Just teasing the Canadians. 
But it says, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for, for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land. You'll be delightful. Well, that's what we all want. We all want to be blessed. We all want to have a... Then what do we need to do? We need to plug into God and get his wisdom. Well, his wisdom is his word, and his wisdom is his will. In our lives, it was give the way I tell you to give. Yes, sir. You bring the tithe and anything I tell you. That's what he told us and spoke to us all those years ago. I'm just telling you how you stay plugged in. And I haven't... Man, that's been 15 years. I don't know how long ago that was, man. That was not even that long. Probably about 12 years, 13 years ago when he spoke that to us, man. And I'm telling you what, there ain't a time gone by I haven't said, okay, God, what's up? Come on, I want to, you know, I, I, I want to give the way you told me to give. And at that moment, he said, give the way I tell you to give and live within your means, two prongs. And that was his wisdom for us. That was what we, that's what we believed, that's what we talked about, that's what we said, that's where we lived, that's who we were, that, that's all we had. Why? Because that's what he told us. Don't deviate from what God said. If you plugged in and asked him the answer and he told you the answer, don't put down something else. That's what my kids used to do in class. They thought I was tricking them. They say, well, they'd be in a test, and they think they're funny. they say, what's the answer to number 12? And I'd say C. And so they would all like, don't put C, man. Can't possibly be C. Well, the answer was C. So like the next day, I can say, like, you all missed it, and I told you the answer. <laughs> so then I get mad. I might take off more points. I mean, it was worth four. I might take off eight. Because then you just, like, deliberately didn't, answer, didn't even believe what I was saying. Come on. Now, how many believers say that, though? It's too good to be true. I mean, is that all I have to do? I mean, I just had gone. You just want me to do that? You just want me to plant seed? You want me to seek you? And you want me to be a part of what you're doing? Well, that doesn't seem hard enough. It's too good to be true. <laughs> That's what they would always tell me. But here's the deal. You got to believe it. You got to act it. I mean, you, you got to be the person. It's got to be you. You got to plug you in. You know, I mean, I mean, they're good friends, you know, they're brother-in-laws, Jeremy and Corey, and, and, and Corey can believe everything there is to believe about tithing and can do it himself and do all those things, and he can talk to Jeremy and, and Lise and, and share that with them and talk to him about the truth and, and talk, even talk about examples and things that God's done, and you begin to share your testimony, but, but until they do it, it's not going to work for them. I mean, that's like, tell, like, like you telling me, you know, you, you, got an, you got an iPad, so you tell me how it gets plugged in. You go, oh, you're stupid. Plug in the bottom thing into the wall. You know, and so he tells me, you know, Greg tells me that, and I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And then I still go home and lay it up against the wall because I don't believe him. <laughs> or I think, you know, that's what I think. Well, Greg told me that it works, so it must work. So, you know, but I don't want to do that. That seems awfully difficult. That's, that's, I don't have, I don't have, what would I do? If I plugged it into the wall, what if it, what if it didn't work? What if it, blew my, what if it blew my iPad up? Well, your iPad's no good anyway because it's dead. Right? Some of, the most, some of the most worrisome and fearful people financially in their lives don't take this wrongly, but don't have a lot to lose. In our lives, we were so far in debt, it was probably, it, we, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> right? I mean, we know the truth, you know. I mean, we know what's up. We know it was true. But, I mean, many times you're so far gone that what the heck is another 10%? <laughs> I needed 160. Why would I complain about having 90? I was like, hey, whatever, man. <laughs> Write the check. <laughs> but then it was over and above. It was all the extra money that you made, other things that you did. Give this to missions and give this to this guy and give this to this person and give this away. Do you not know we got bills? 
I didn't ask for you to tell me to give all my stuff away. I asked for help. See, I didn't ask for you to tell me to give all my life away. I just asked for wisdom. I, I, I didn't want you to tell me to go do a bunch of stuff that I didn't want to do. I just wanted help with my kids. See, I just wanted a job, and I asked you what to do, and then you told me to go to volunteer all my time. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> See? I mean, we had bills. We had big bills. We had bills that had bills. <laughs> they were all having baby bills. It was, like, it was like rabbits, man. They were like, every day there was a new one in the mailbox. <laughs> Have you ever been there? That's just that's disappointing sometimes. <laughs> we weren't robbing from Peter to pay Paul. We were robbing for the rest of the disciples, all of them, all 12. <laughs> just pay whoever we could pay, man. It was, ah. The whole time thinking, you know what, we've got ourselves into this, God, we can dig ourselves out. We don't, you know, that's what we say sometimes. I got myself in this, and I should be the one that dig myself out. Nope, God says, hey, you got, man, we got into sin on our own. We didn't need his help. He didn't ask us to get better, did he? He said, come to me, and I'll make you better. Hmm, that's a good one. Huh? He's not asking you to get all your debts paid before you start giving to him. He says, start giving to me and I'll take care of your debts. I am telling you right now, I've shared this story a ton of times in this church. We did not get a second job. We did not change. We did not get huge raises. We were way, way, way in debt. And we gave more than we'd ever given. And, and God in one year just miraculously took care of it. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, unreal, unreal. Give the way I tell you to give and live within your means. Stay out of Walmart. <laughs> you know you've built Sam Walton a wing on his old mansion now that he's passed on. I mean, you know, everybody goes there and spends 50 bucks more than they need to. Right? I mean, run in like this. <laughs> Cover your eyes, run in there, grab the shampoo, and run out. If you got to do it, you know. Take all your stuff out of your pockets and only have like $3. You might be able to make it. But once you find out his wisdom, once you do this, it beca there becomes a battle. And the battle's not flesh and blood. The battle's not with your spouse. The battle's not with your neighbor. The battle isn't with the guy doing the, doing the kitchen work. The battle, the battle becomes your head saying, okay, now how are we going to do this? And God says, just do it my way. And you say, okay. And then spiritually, you've got to be able to fight. Spiritually, it says, we, we, face, we face a fight that's, that's not natural. We face a fight that's spiritual. We face principalities and powers, not people. And so then you've got to begin to, you've got to be, become a combatant in that world spiritually. You have to learn to meditate the word. You have to learn to believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Begin to speak it out of your mouth. I'm just going right back to, to Joshua 1, 8, and 9. Because it says, he says, now see, God's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to do the work, but you're going to be the one that makes your way prosperous and successful. Now, how in the world does that work? Because it says, if you read Joshua 1 and, cha and chapter 8, it, it says, you will make your way, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Well, how will I make my way prosperous if he's the one doing the work? I still have to fight, but he's the one that wins the war. You still have to speak it. You still have to live it in your life. You still have to be the person. When he gives you the wisdom and he gives you the knowledge and he gives you the stuff and he gives you the direction and he gives you the plan, we still have to be those people who go out and do it. We have a part to play. And it's an important part. Because if God would do it right now, he would. 
See, if God could do it right now, he'd just do it like that. But what is he waiting on? He's waiting on us to be a part of the process. Because don't you tell your own children, if I gave you everything, that'd spoil you. But why don't you go out and work for it a little bit? We were smart. God gave us a plan with Daniel and his school. And part of that plan was to believe that God would make a way, yes. The other part of that plan was to have that little sucker pay for some of it. And as he has done that, he has become a much more diligent student. Well, Mom, of course I'm studying. I'm paying for this. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, he, he used to say that. He was so mad because he couldn't get into the class, and he was going to go into the administrator's office and let them know, I pay too much for this education not to be able to be in that class. And I said, hey, that is not the way to go about it. That is the way not to be in that class. Go back and pray, and then come back and tell us the next thing you're going to do. But see, you've got to play a part. You have to. You have to play a part in what God has for you to do. You have to speak to the mountain. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.